All the things you prayed for. Chapter 25. A Brief Cold Winter in New York. Soon comes more quickly than the soldier expects. He's done a cursory examination of the apartment, the large living area and the kitchen he awoke in, a lived-in bedroom with an adjoining bathroom, a spare room stacked with boxes and books and not much else, and slipped a knife from the kitchen between the couch cushions where it's easy to grab if he needs it and easy to keep concealed if he doesn't. He's scanning the recent history of the tablet he found on the coffee table next to where he was sleeping for mission clues, when the sound of voices in the hall outside, American-accented English, has him slumping down again, like he's been waiting with no timetable or expectations for whoever wrote the note to return. The door behind him opens. No good, you're awake, says the woman voice bright and strangely familiar. Sorry I left you sleeping, babe. I wanted to get in some training. Crab's gonna join us for dinner. We were thinking sushi and TV in the common room. The soldier turns because the woman seems to expect a response and is thrown. She's wearing a red t-shirt and sweatpants. She's sweating from recent exertion, the veins in her arm prominent, so training doesn't seem to be a euphemism. She looks like him, exactly like him. Like him, but with short, messy hair, a carefree smile, knees to her movements that speaks to complete ease, no half-hidden nerves about being around the winter soldier. He doesn't know her doesn't recognize her except that she looks like him, and that makes no sense. He's so caught up with staring at her too familiar face that he nearly misses the man beside her, dark-skinned with long dreadlocks, dressed in tight black clothing and carrying himself with a stillness that begets his training. The way he looks at the soldier Hints at suspicion, and there is something familiar about him, too. It takes a moment for recognition to click into place. Recognition not based on memory, but on the programming his handlers implanted in him. The minimum he needs to remember between jobs. That's a reaper. A reaper here means the soldier has a role to play. This has been a glitch. He knows this is an indication he should be wiped, but it seems unlikely that that will be an option. The Reaper likely has communication with their handlers. He will be able to pass information about the glitch on. The soldier can maintain his cover in the meantime, waiting for the woman to leave. He opens his mouth to agree to her plans, calling up his best American accent. But instead, what comes out of his mouth is... Konyeshna. The woman's expression falls. Shit, tea, she says. I'm sorry. This is my fault. I shouldn't have pushed you so hard. The reaper looks down at her, smiling. Could be worse. I could be with a berry in Boston, he says. You've got me to translate, 
He's fine with sushi and TV. The Reaper turns back to the soldier and swaps English for Russian this time. If you start making me translate, you bickering with Loop again, I'm going to leave. So the woman is named Loop, and she doesn't speak Russian. Fine. Sounds good, Reaper, the soldier says. Maybe you can tell me what our mission is while she's not listening, because I have no idea what we're doing here or why my English is suddenly broken. There's a moment, a brief moment, where horror flashes across the Reaper's face like he's seen a ghost. It's there and gone so quickly that the soldiers sure Loops missed it. He did not. The Reaper stares for a moment too long, a moment that draws attention from the woman. Crav? The Reaper, Crav, doesn't look away. He opens his mouth, closes it. He breathes out slow. Soldier, he says, still in Russian. You've forgotten the mission. The soldier doesn't show weakness or uncertainty in front of anyone. He shrugs all calculated nonchalance. The knife is behind him in the couch cushions. That's what I said. He grins, full and crooked, cocky. I'm the best. If you want the job done right the first time, I'm who you send. Come on, handsome. Give me a hint, at least. Crav looks at the woman. His smile is poorly constructed now, the mirth on his face an obvious mask. Loop doesn't seem to notice. He says you'll know what he wants for dinner, he says in English. If you want to place the order and change, we'll go queue up whatever show we're going to watch. Loop reaches out and squeezes Crav's arm like he's doing her a favor. Sounds great, she looks at the soldier. I mean it, babe, I'm sorry. I won't push you next time. We can do this at your pace. The soldier has no idea what Loop's talking about. He just nods, which seems to assuade her slightly. She moves past them, towards the bedroom. I'll come and join you two after I take a quick shower and place the order, she says. Don't wait for me to start the show. Crab waits until her bedroom door is closed, then nods to the hallway. No one else speaks Russian, he says. There's a common room where Loop's less likely to overhear anything, though, just in case. And it's where she expects us to go, the soldier says, rising to his feet in one smooth motion. I feel you, Reaper. Lead the way. The Reaper turns his back on the soldier, an impressive show of trust from a man whose trembling hands betray deep-set fear. Kravitz has no idea what to do. The last time Taco lapsed into Russian, he'd still been Taco just without the ability to express himself in his native tongue. It had been frustrating, but not dangerous. It hadn't been the winter soldier showing up again. 
There is a part of Kravitz that knows he should be grateful that the version of the soldier that returned is the one from the Red Room, the one he remembers, used for infiltration as well as assassination. The man who had trained him, who'd he'd worked ops with. A man with a personality that Kravitz now knows is a poor copy of Taco. If the other soldier had shown up. Kravitz doesn't want to think about it. The Russian thing had disappeared after a few hours and a nap. It's likely that this will, too. All this is, is the resurgence of old programming because Taco's brain was pushed too far. Taco remembered everything that happened when he could only speak Russian. Kravitz wonders if he'll remember this, too. Once they're safely upstairs in the common room, he turns to look at the soldier. The soldier's eyes flick around the room, assessing, no recognition in them. He carries himself differently than Taco does. His posture makes the power in his body more obvious, more threatening, even clothed in the Avengers brand loungewear. Gonna tell me what's going on, handsome? The soldier asks, tilting his head, a deceptively playful smile on his face. Kravitz isn't twenty-two anymore. He isn't, shouldn't be, a kid in awe of the Winter Soldier. He's met the real Taco, even if they're not friends. He knows that this is all programming and brainwashing and not real. Kravitz isn't a reaper striving to prove he's the best the Red Room has to offer. Kravitz's head is still full of echoes of the soldier calling him handsome before, of the coolness of his metal hand on the back of Kravitz's neck, and the press of their mouths together. The soldier quirks an eyebrow. Well, what do you remember? Kravitz asks, because he refuses to look at this man and ask if the soldier remembers him. The soldier shrugs. Nada, you're gonna have to fill me in. What's the mission? The woman? God, Loop. Kravitz doesn't know how to tell her about this, or even if he should tell her about this. He won't be able to as long as he's in the same room as her and the soldier, and it doesn't feel safe to leave the soldier unsupervised. Barry is gone until the day after tomorrow. An evening of regression and a nap will probably chase the soldier from Taco's brain. Kravitz takes a risk. She's our in, he says. She thinks you're her long-lost brother, Taco. She's the girlfriend of Barry Hallwinter, head of Hallwinter Industries. His company manufactures weapons. He designs them. We're supposed to flip him for the Red Room. And if we can't do that... Kill him, the soldier says, like it's nothing. And to him, it is nothing. He doesn't remember Barry helping him when he came in the first time, or showing him TV, or giving him his tablet. If someone had told Kravitz he had a target when he was in the Red Room, he wouldn't have questioned it either. Questions were for civilians. 
I feel you. Seriously, though? Long-lost brother? What kind of name is Taco? Kravitz suppresses the urge to smile. She believes it, he says. That's what's important. I believe it's some kind of family name. I wouldn't worry about the Russian lapse. It's happened before. Your cover story is that you returned with memory loss, so we folded the lapse into it. She believes it's a side effect. He glances at the doorway, but Loop's probably still on the phone with Barry, kicking herself for trying to get Taco to leave the tower. Last time, the Russian went away after you slept on it, and you woke up being able to handle everything. The soldier frowns. A long-lost brother suffering from memory loss. Really? That's the best they could do? You have no idea how desperate she was to see her brother again, Kravitz says. It has the benefit of being true to add veracity to his story. She would have believed anything if it meant he was back. And what was her brother like? A lot like you, says Kravitz. Except he can speak English. The soldier snorts, amused, but with a coldness in his eyes that isn't there when he's taco. He leans forward, sliding a cool metal hand up Kravitz's chest. He's too close, somehow looming, even though he's a couple of inches shorter than Kravitz. The soldier studies Kravitz's face, then reaches up with his human hand and pats his cheek. I can tell you're not sharing everything with me, he says. Better not be something important. The last time Kravitz was this close to the soldier, circumstances had been very different. Nothing important, he promises. Nothing you need to worry about. Kravitz can tell the soldier doesn't believe him, but he lets the issue drop, shrugging and pulling away. So what's your role in all this? Hallwinter's personal assistant and friend. Kravitz says, because one of those things used to be true, and the other still is. I established myself before you were sent in. I've been in deep cover. The soldier nods. And our relationship? Their relationship? Kravitz and Taco aren't... anything. Vaguely friendly. I've translated for you, he says. We're acquaintances, but not close. I'm good friend with your sister and Barry. He pauses. I was the one who played skeptical when you first showed up. You appreciate that skepticism. Someone watching out for Loop's best interest. Shame, says the soldier, eyes traveling over Kravitz's body. Should have come up with something more fun. There a reason they haven't fixed this glitch? I don't like being caught unaware like this. Not on an infiltration mission. This is shitty planning. We're in New York City, Kravitz says. There's no one here to fix it. I've reported back to the Red Room about the issue. I'll send them a message about this latest development tonight, once Loop goes to sleep and I can slip out. Cool, cool. The soldier looks around the common room again. What year is it? Kravitz hesitates. It's been a long time since this 
version of the soldier was active. But the year would be a terrible lie to be caught in. He doesn't know how the soldier's memories of time work, anyway. 2014 The soldier's face doesn't register any surprise. He just nods, casual and accepting. Any new films? Kravitz can't help it. He laughs. There's nothing funny about the situation, but the echoes of his past life are so overwhelming. He needs to find humor in this or it'll all be too much. <laughs> A few, he says. We can watch something with dinner. Hmm, I like you, the soldier says, and reaches up to give one of Kravitz's dreads a playful tug. Pretty and nice. My favorite. Kravitz isn't 22 anymore, and Taco isn't the soldier. None of this is real, and it wasn't real then, either. What he told the soldier is true. He and Taco aren't even really friends. Hall Winter has cameras everywhere, he says. We need to be careful. You need to loosen up a little, Reaper, the soldier says, pulling his hand back. How did they ever clear you from infiltration? I do a very good American accent, Kravitz says, deadpan. The soldier laughs as Luke walks into the room. She glances between them, surprised, but obviously pleased. She looks more centered, so she must have taken the opportunity to call Barry like he suggested. Kravitz is glad one of them has their shit together. Taco say he's feeling okay? It takes Kravitz a moment to switch over from Russian back to English. He's fine, he says. Just Russian. He says, maybe a movie tonight? Oh, thank God, says Loop. A break from the cooking shows. What are we watching? What's on your list? Kravitz asks, because he has no idea what would be appropriate here. Loop pulls out her phone, tapping the screen a few times. Mm, Barry starred a bunch for date nights. She says, Oh, fuck, T, do you know what you'd love? Spirited away. Barry made me watch a ton of Ghibli. I like Princess Mononoke the best, but... She stops, laughs. <laughs> Sorry, one movie at a time, yeah? I'll find it. Kravitz has no idea what loops making them watch. When the soldier looks at him, eyebrows raised, he shrugs. I think it's animated, he says in Russian. Boring, says the soldier, flopping onto the couch. Guess she's reliving her childhood with her long-lost brother. Makes sense. Hearing the soldier talk about Loop with such a distance is disorienting. Even when Taco arrived at the tower the first time, before he had any real personality, he'd obviously cared about her. He'd been focused on Loop and making her happy. This version is as cold as ice in his assessment of her as a target. A mark. When Loop turns back from setting up the movie, the soldier is smiling, 
eyes bright with interest. Kravitz hasn't known Taco long, but the strength of Taco's personality had driven the memory of some of this from his mind, of just how good the soldier was at playing a part. The best covert operative in the world. Loop sits beside the soldier, close enough that their arms are touching, and pulls a blanket over both of them. Kravitz sits on the other side of the couch, where he can watch the soldier easily. He wishes he hadn't left all his equipment in the training room. He's got no illusions about his ability to take the soldier in a fight without some kind of advantage. The soldier's faster, stronger, and more ruthless than him. Kravitz's phone vibrates in his pocket as a movie starts playing. He slips it out of his pocket, expecting a text from Barry asking if Loop and Taco are okay. But instead, it's a message from Jarvis. Shall I appraise Mr. Hallwinter of the current situation? He should probably say yes. The Winter Soldier thinks he's here on a mission to flip or kill Barry. Kravitz's story is tenuous at best, but right now it's working, and Barry coming back to New York and trying to act natural would sabotage any chance of pulling this off. Kravitz turns his head towards the screen, but his eyes are on the soldier, on his body language and reactions as Loop leans against him, comfortable and easy, used to her brother's company again. The soldier allows it, although Kravitz knows he must be uncomfortable. A slight frown forms on his face, and for a moment Kravitz thinks it's about Loop, about the casual contact she's initiated. But the soldier's eyes are on the television, and he's... actually watching the movie. Has actually focused his attention on the film enough to lose control over his facial expressions, and there's something so human about the Winter Soldier liking movies. Kravitz tamps down on the urge to smile. It's perverse to find that charming, a little flirting, and he's acting like an amateur on his first job. Kravitz is a professional. The soldier isn't real. The soldier is a defense mechanism for Taco's brain, a stress response born out of Loop asking Taco to do something he wasn't ready for, and Taco being too stubborn to say no. The soldier is a symptom of the things that were done to Taco, a hazy shadow of the man he's based on. Kravitz doesn't know Taco well yet, but even he can tell that Taco is more than the soldier ever was. Kravitz can see why Loop loves him so fiercely. He texts Jarvis back without looking at his screen. No need to alert Barry. I have the situation under control. The soldier's eyes flick to the side, meeting Kravitz's and he raises an eyebrow. Enjoying the view? Kravitz gives in and lets himself a grin. His chest aches, but that's not important. The soldier looks domesticated, 
all bundled up on the couch. He looks comfortable, warm. Towards the end of things, the soldier had complained about the cold, had talked about countries with more sun and less snow. He and the soldier hadn't really been people back then. They were assets, and assets didn't have enough freedom to make their own choices, to decide where they'd end up or what missions they'd take next. Assets weren't allowed to have relationships. It's a nice view, Kravitz says. The soldier gives him a pleased look, a brief smug smile, then turns back to the movie. Kravitz abandons subtlety and lets himself watch the soldier openly, lets the ache in his chest be felt. He lets himself remember, just for now, just for a little while, what wanting this feels like. The Reaper is hiding something from him. But the soldier is on a nice couch in a warm room under a soft blanket, so that can wait. This whole thing is weird, but it doesn't seem dangerous. Looking at the woman who's too comfortable touching him, even his metal arm, makes his head ache. But some instinct tells him she's not a problem. He can usually trust his instincts. The problem is... They're also saying the Reaper is lying through his teeth about something. The soldier sits on the couch and watches the film Loop chose. It's weird, but he likes it. It's different to the kind of films he knows they sometimes let him watch in the Red Room. It's bright and detailed, full of emotion. When the food arrives, he eats crunchy fried vegetables and shrimp, Rice and seaweed, rolls wrapped around tuna smothered in a creamy hot sauce, an imitation crab mashed with mayonnaise. He can feel the reaper watching him through all of it, but his gaze doesn't feel like suspicion now. It feels more like admiration. The reaper's handsome, so the soldier will gladly take it. Maybe see if he can't work in a little fun on the job. He doesn't do partners, or joint missions, usually. If the soldier is here, then the reaper's probably falling down on the job. Maybe that's what he's hiding. The soldier's here to clean up the reaper's mess. He glances at the reaper again. Kravitz. He doesn't bother pretending like he hasn't been staring at the soldier this time, which is a nice bit of honesty from a spy. The soldier smirks. Loop is leaning against his shoulder, dozing on and off, although the soldier doubts the metal is comfortable. We should talk more when she goes to bed, he says, keeping his voice soft and low. You can tell me what the strategy is here. You and Loop share an apartment, Kravitz says. You haven't been here long enough to move into your own place. That explains why he woke up on the couch. What's up? Loop asks, picking her head up off the soldier's shoulder, glancing up at him, then Kravitz. I heard my name. Anything wrong? 
Kravitz shakes his head. Taco just said he thought you were falling asleep. Loop snorts and sits upright, rubbing at her eyes. Kinda. Fuck. I shouldn't be. This is what I get for eating my weight in ice cream and then working out. Most people would just get sick, Kravitz says, plainly amused. We can finish up the movie tomorrow. Imagine if Barry came home and thought you got Taco into anime without him. He'd be so disappointed. Loop grins at Kravitz and looks at the soldier, her smile fading a little. You feeling okay, babe? The soldier nods and slides his hand over Loop's, squeezing it to reassure her. She's comfortable with casual touching. It seems safe to assume that the person he's playing is, too. Loop raises a hand to stifle a yawn and then makes a face. Yeah, okay. Fine. We'll finish tomorrow. She wiggles out from under the blankets and stands, stretching. You coming or you watching more cooking shows? Taco glances at Kravitz. Cooking shows? He says he's going to watch some TV first, Kravitz tells Loop. I'll watch with him for a bit. I'm curious. The soldier snorts. (laughs) Subtle, handsome. Yeah, you don't need to translate that one, Krav, Loop says, grinning. I know what Taco sounds like when he's giving someone shit. It's not babysitting tea. Just, you know, you're all Russian again. Your infiltration could still use work, but that's not bad, the soldier says. Make her think you're keeping an eye on me for her. Thanks, Kravitz says in Russian, his voice filled with a surprising amount of sarcasm for a reaper. Usually, they're robotic, all nationalism and no fun. He switches to English. We'll be fine, Loop. Don't worry. Not worried, Loop says. Obvious lie. She gives him one last concerned look and then ruffles his hair. Okay, enjoy your stories. Be nice to Kravitz. Good night, the soldier says. Loop's lips quirk into a smile. That one she gets, obviously. Night, babe. Night, Krav. Kravitz picks up the remote once Loop's out of the room, switching the screen to some channel trying to sell them things. Exceptionally American and lowering the volume enough that they'll be able to hear footsteps outside if they come. The soldier waits until he's sure Loop's not coming back, then shifts closer to the Reaper. He puts a hand on the Reaper's knee and smiles, all coy. I know what you're not telling me. Kravitz tenses for a moment, then forces himself to relax. Obviously, forces himself to relax. Oh? The soldier smirks. I'm here to clean up your mess, he says. 
Why else send me in? They sent you, and you couldn't flip whole winter. He tilts his head, clucks his tongue in disapproval. You like loop. Is she the problem, baby? I can get her out of the way if you need me to. Don't let a pretty face make you soft. Kravitz blinks at him and... Fuck, that wasn't it. The soldier can see the moment Kravitz decides he's going to go along with the story. He reaches up and presses two metal fingers against Kravitz's lips. I know you're about to lie to me. Please hold yourself back. Kravitz curls a hand around his wrist and gently moves his hand. Brave of him. You don't know anything right now, he says. You're going off your best guesses and my body language. I promise you, everything's going to be fine. I like Loop, yes, but that's not going to interfere with anything. I like Barry, too. It's easier to coax someone who feels an emotional connection to you over to your side. The soldier frees his hand from Kravitz's grasp, narrowing his eyes. You're playing the long game here. How badly do they want Hallwinter? He invented technology no one else is capable of making, Kravitz says, voice echoing with conviction, with truth. Tech that requires his oversight to manufacture because he's careful not to leave plans anywhere they could be stolen. Smart, the soldier says. Good way to stay alive. Kravitz smiles, a wry quirk of his lips. I've been through all his files. Take it from someone who worked as his personal assistant. Even if he wrote everything down, I doubt it would be decipherable. The truth, although there's some private joke Kravitz isn't letting him in on. The soldier is told only the relevant information by his handlers. He knows what he needs to know. The Reapers, though, are not his handlers. They are assets, like he is. Expensive investments, but less valuable. He is supposed to keep them alive if he can, but it's not an absolute requirement. You're not letting America seduce you, are you? The soldier asks after a moment, his eyes locked on Kravitz's face. He sees the flash of shock, but can't quite read the why of it. It would be like a reaper to be shocked at a mere suggestion of defecting. They live for their work. No fun at all. The soldier leans back, patting Kravitz's knee. Just kidding. I don't think you were, Kravitz says. You've been here for weeks now. You don't think you'd have noticed if I were a double agent? Kravitz has a point. The soldier trusts his own capabilities, even if he doesn't remember anything. He didn't wake up feeling like he was recovering from being drugged or knocked unconscious. This isn't a cover-up. True, I am the best. Kravitz doesn't argue. I'm not going to ask you to trust me. 
but at least give yourself the benefit of the doubt. Hall Winter will be back from his conference the day after tomorrow. We'll press him with more about recent legislation and the American government trying to claim control over his inventions. Encourage him, if necessary, to defect. Something clicks into place for the soldier. Your wet works, he says, delighted. That's why they sent someone with such shitty infiltration training. That's not what you're here for. I, yes, Kravitz says, looking surprised. How do you always... Never mind. I shouldn't be surprised you can tell. Of course you can tell. Sharp mind, shitty facial control, that complexion? You've got to be in torture and interrogation. What other conclusion was there? The soldier asks. I'm turning them, and you're pumping them for information. I got it. Easy peasy. The Reaper doesn't look reassured, but that's not the soldier's problem. He knows what his goal is now. The mission is clear in his mind. Recruit Hallwinter and his girlfriend for the Red Room. Keep an eye on the Reaper to make sure he's not slipping. Simple. Long term, maybe, but not complicated. We should sleep, the Reaper says. If you wake up and still don't have your memories back, Taco doesn't like training. The soldier frowns. It makes sense to keep his skills secret, but not training isn't an option. Then sleep is out of the question for now, he says, pushing the blankets off and getting to his feet. Come on, handsome. It's training time. Let's see what you've got under the hood. Kravitz leads the way to the gym, because he really doesn't have another option. Keeping the soldier occupied will, Kravitz hopes, keep him distracted. And if he's distracted, he won't have time to think critically about what a weird fictional mission this is. The soldier hasn't asked what Loop thinks about his prosthetic arm yet, and Kravitz is hoping to keep it that way. Besides, maybe working out will get the soldier tired enough to sleep. Kravitz knows from experience that the soldier can go days without sleeping. But this is Taco's brain and it needs frequent sleep right now. He wonders what Merle's going to say about this, hopefully temporary, regression. Kravitz can't imagine the soldier rearing his head for the first time since... when? The 60s? 70s? The Red Room fell with the end of the Cold War, but Kravitz didn't see the soldier between their brief liaison and getting shot by him. He has no idea when the soldier actually changed hands, or when this version of him disappeared. The soldier whistles as they walk into the gym. <whistles> Fancy place they got here, huh? They know what you're capable of? Kravitz shrugs. Some, not everything. It has the benefit of being true. Barry has read some of the Red Room documents, but Loop's been too focused on Taco since they got him back to delve into the data drop much. The fact that Kravitz specialized in torture and interrogation isn't something he talks about. 
Maybe it comes up when you Google his name now. He hasn't been brave enough to try it and find out. The soldier unzips his hoodie and lets it drop to the floor, then pulls off his socks. He rolls his shoulders and starts to stretch. We're gonna spar, he says. Let's see how rusty undercover work has made you. The last time Kravitz fought Taco, he got shot. At least the soldier doesn't have a gun this time. I keep my skills up. Uh-huh. The soldier's eyes rake up and down his body, assessing. His stretching is methodical and precise, giving nothing away. Kravitz has one advantage here, and that the soldier doesn't know he trained him. I'll be the judge of that. Kravitz only just ducks out of the way of the soldier's first attack, dropping to the floor when the soldier lunges for him. He rolls away to his feet, giving the soldier an unimpressed look. You didn't want to warn me? When is your enemy ever going to warn you they're coming? The soldier asks, snorting. <laughs> You've got to stay frosty. Besides, you dodged. He stretches his hands above his head, obviously pleased with himself, and glances around the room. Got any knives? Giving the soldier real knives would definitely be a bad idea. There are rubber ones, Kravitz says. I'll get them, but please, don't take this as an excuse to hit me. He turns his back on the soldier. The whole thing is a bad idea, but going along with it means less time for the soldier to question the paper-thin web of lies Kravitz has told him about why he's here. Kravitz picks up his rubber practice knives and turns on his heel, flicking one at the soldier, aiming for his chest. The soldier catches the knife in his metal hand. He grins, eyes gleaming with savage delight. Feisty! He twirls the false blade in his fingers. You've got good aim, baby. Excellent form. I'm gonna have fun with you. Kravitz has blood on his hands, too much to ever really be reckoned with. But this still feels profoundly unfair. He's been good. He helped save the world twice. He burned down S.H.I.E.L.D. and took himself down with it. He should get some reprieve for that. But the world is not a kind or gentle place, and Kravitz has known that for as long as he can remember. He dodges when the soldier darts for him and nearly makes it, except the soldier's foot hooks around his ankle and he yanks, sweeping Kravitz's legs out from under him. Kravitz stumbles backwards and manages to stay upright, but the soldier is in his face before he can do anything else, pressing the rubber knife to his throat. Gotcha, the soldier says, smug as anything. You broadcast your dodge. You need to keep your mind on the fight. You're letting it wander. He takes a couple steps back. Gotta remember, there isn't anything more important than your opponent in a fight. Doesn't matter that this is just training. 
you let your focus wander here, you'll be too busy thinking about movies or whatever to notice someone sneaking up behind you in the field. The Winter Soldier emphasized the importance of focus with Kravitz the first time he trained him. Kravitz adjusts his posture. If he's trying to tire the soldier out enough to get him to sleep, that means pushing himself to do better. That means fighting like he does out in the world, not like he's training with a loop. I'm focused. Good, says the soldier. Nice to see you taking things seriously. Kravitz doesn't wait for the soldier to attack this time. He throws a punch that forces the soldier to lean back. Kravitz plants a foot on the soldier's thigh and jumps, using his foothold to get himself up onto the soldier's shoulders and swing himself onto his back. Kravitz's leg hooks around the soldier's neck, and he throws his weight back, sending the soldier stumbling, nearly taking him down. The soldier closes a hand around his ankle, and Kravitz lets that grip anchor him as he kicks his other leg back hard against the soldier's chest. It won't cause much damage, but it buys Kravitz the split second he needs to flick his own knife into his hand and press it to the soldier's throat. It's a kill. A win. The soldier still grabs Kravitz's wrist and throws him across the room. Kravitz comes up from a shaky, shoddy landing with a grin on his face. The soldier's grinning, too, eyes burning caught with interest as he looks Kravitz over. Oh, yes, he says. You're bouncy. I see why they sent you. Top of my class, Kravitz says. He can already feel where he'll have bruises in the morning, but his adrenaline is pumping now. Loop pulls her punches when she fights with him. A soldier doesn't, and there's a thrill to that. Kravitz likes this. Likes the danger of his work. Likes showing off, too, if he's being honest. He doesn't often get the opportunity to go all out in a controlled environment. Have you finished assessing me? Can we fight now? The soldier laughs. <laughs> I like you, he says, and then he's on top of Kravitz, moving fast, driving his flesh fist into Kravitz's ribs. Kravitz takes a hit and steps in closer range. Throwing knives won't get him anywhere with someone as fast as a soldier. Kravitz is quick, too, though. He twists sideways and throws an elbow back in the soldier's face. He catches it with his metal hand, grabs Kravitz's bicep, and forces his arm down to his side, then snakes his own arm around Kravitz's chest to hold him with his arm pinned. Kravitz lashes out with his free hand, gripping the rubber knife tightly, but the soldier grabs his wrist, holds his arm above his head. Have we fought before? the soldier asks. Tone deceptively conversational. You know how I move. You've been here for weeks, Kravitz says, which isn't an answer, but conveniently implies one. Taco's chest is pressed against his back, and he can feel warm breath ghosting over the back of his neck. The soldier probably expects to be kicked. Instead, Kravitz goes boneless, sagging back into the soldier's grasp. 
There's a split second when it softens, a moment in which the grip on Kravitz's wrist isn't like steel because a soldier is surprised. Kravitz takes advantage of it. He twists his arm around in the soldiers, hooks a leg around the back of his knee, and throws his weight forward, flipping them both over so the soldier lands with his back on the mat and Kravitz on top of him. Kravitz elbows the soldier in the sternum and rolls off of him. He gets as far as his knees before Taco grabs his arm and yanks him down onto the floor again. Kravitz's chin hits the mat and bounces off. His mouth is full of the taste of blood, and the soldier moves fast, straddling Kravitz's back and pressing his knife to Kravitz's throat again. Good. The soldier's a little out of breath, but otherwise sounds unruffled. Don't know what we've been doing, handsome, but I feel like I've been a good influence on you. Kravitz can't help it. He laughs. The soldier isn't wrong. But whatever he's thinking is bound to be far from the reality of how he helped shape Kravitz's life. Ha! Of course you do. The soldier moves off of Kravitz, and he rolls onto his back, looking up at the soldier kneeling beside him. It hasn't been long at all, but Taco's barely done any moving since he got back to the tower from his murder tour. This has got to be a shock to his system. Kravitz sincerely hopes it's making a dent in his energy levels, because Kravitz did three hours of training earlier in the day, and sparring with the Winter Soldier isn't a low-energy affair. You're weaker on your left side, the soldier says. You need to work on that. Kravitz snorts. I am working on it, he says. Someone shot me in my left shoulder a couple of months ago. The soldier narrows his eyes and leans over Kravitz to press a hand against his shoulder and push down. Kravitz doesn't flinch, but only because he really should be fine by now. Maybe he's been sloppy with his conditioning. He's only had the one mission since he and Loop brought Taco back to the tower. Guess they don't heal you up and put you on ice when you take a bullet, huh? The soldier looks down at Kravitz, raising an eyebrow. Still a bad excuse for sloppy recovery. We've got to work on that. We, Kravitz repeats. Sure, we're partners on this job, aren't we? He asks. I can't have you slowing me down with a weak left side. Gotta get you back in tip-top shape. It's a good point, and it's not like the soldier would have much of an option if any of this was real. Kravitz studies Taco's face, the sharpness in his eyes, contrasted by the way his hair is escaping from his braid, to fall around his face in soft, loose strands. He nods. We're partners, he agrees. I could use the help. Obviously, I'm not doing a good enough job on my own. Oh, definitely not, the soldier says, laughing. You're doing just fine for someone who isn't me, but I can make you into something great. He leans down, eyes flicking to Kravitz's mouth. It's deliberate, Kravitz knows, an obvious tell to broadcast his intentions. Stick with me, baby, the soldier murmurs. We'll 
Have lots of fun. Kravitz should move. Roll onto his side and get up. He doesn't. He stays where he is as a soldier leans down and brushes their lips together. It's easy. So easy. To just... Let it happen. It would be easy to give in to the rush of desire thrumming through his veins and let this take its course. Let the soldier... Kravitz forces himself to turn his head to break the kiss before it can even really start. Before it can become a thing he'll have to think about. Before it's anything more than a momentary brush of their mouths against each other. The soldier pulls back. Well, if you don't wanna, that's fine, he says, shrugging off the rejection. Tomorrow we're still gonna work on that shoulder, though. You're pretty, but you're a liability if you can't give your all in a fight. Kravitz takes a moment to bottle up everything he's feeling. He shoves it deep, deep down where he won't have to think about it. Tomorrow sounds good, he says, sitting up. It doesn't, but the soldier should be gone by then. Tomorrow sounds safe. Do you need me to walk you back to Loop's apartment? No, I'm good, the soldier says, getting to his feet. It's one staircase, handsome. I can figure it out. Gravitz stands, too, raises an eyebrow. There's no way he's leaving the soldier to wander around the tower unsupervised. You've lost your memory and forgot how to speak English, he says, because it's true. Forgive me for being cautious. The soldier smirks at him. See, I'm a good influence. He rolls his shoulder, then walks over to his abandoned hoodie and socks. All right, you can walk me home. Getting some serious mixed signals here, baby. You lost your memory, Kravitz repeats. I'm not going to kiss someone who doesn't remember who I am. A smirk on Taco's face as he tugs on his socks is absolutely filthy. If that's your hold-up, we don't have to kiss. I feel like you should really be more concerned about the memory loss and less concerned about getting glade, Kravitz says, voice dry. I'm a simple man. I see a hot boy. I flirt. Besides, who needs memories? I live like I'm dying. The soldier tugs the hoodie on over his head and smooths back his hair. Be a gentleman and walk me home. Kravitz sincerely hopes Taco doesn't remember any of this. They leave the training room together, when he leads the soldier down the hall to Loop's apartment. Definitely could have found this on my own, the soldier says, then smirks at Kravitz. Don't suppose I could convince you to give me a kiss for good luck? He reaches up and taps his cheek with a finger. Just here? Kravitz wants to, if only because he knows the soldier isn't expecting him to give in to the request. But he doesn't. 
There are cameras in the hallway. There are cameras everywhere. Barry would see. He can't quite keep himself from reaching up and tucking the flyaway hair behind Taco's ear, though. Maybe some other time. Maybe if you're lucky, the soldier says. Maybe if you do real good in training. He opens the door to Loop's apartment. See you tomorrow, handsome. I'll kick your ass again. Kravitz snorts, slips his hands into his pockets, and tells himself the ache he's feeling is from being thrown across the gym. Nothing else. Good night, soldier. The soldier looks back at him and smiles. A real smile. Not one of his overly cocky smirks, plastered on mostly for show. Night, Krav. Kravitz waits until the door shuts and walks down the hallway towards his room. He opens and closes the door before doubling back, footsteps as silent as the grave, and leans against the wall across Loop's apartment. He'll say something to Loop when Taco is back. For now, he's going to settle in and keep watch through the night. The soldier is not used to being tired. It had been easy enough to end the training session with the Reaper, though. Too easy, maybe. Like the Reaper had also been looking for an excuse to stop. But Kravitz had come into Loop's apartment after a workout. He was probably tired, too, eager for the break. A soldier doesn't understand why everything feels so heavy. It's a glitch, a flaw he files away as another thing to report the next time he sees a handler. Memory loss, tiredness, symptoms that are out of place with his usual programming. Kravitz, too, shows a surprising amount of personality for a reaper when they're in private. It seems organic, not put on. The soldier is wiped when he reaches that stage. He doesn't know why he knows that. But he does. Some things are best kept from handlers. Here's a small part of the soldier that is glad reapers aren't wiped. Another thing that should be reported. But it's already going to be a long debrief. Maybe that doesn't make it in. The soldier retrieves the knife he hid in the couch cushions and returns it to the kitchen. He should eat after the training but he doesn't know enough about the rules of this place to take food. Besides, he has been trained in deprivation survival. He'll be fine. It's another reason to give in to the urge to sleep, another reason to indulge in the urge to curl up on the soft couch, to burrow under soft blankets and allow himself to revel in their warmth. In the morning, he has a role to play and questions to find answers to, Some things about Kravitz's story don't quite line up. The soldier isn't sure how much of it he can trust. Kravitz is pretty, though. The soldier drifts off, thinking about the curve of Kravitz's lips 
and their almost kiss. The end of chapter 25.